Welcome to the Market Beautifully Podcast, a show where I offer marketing advice for lady entrepreneurs who crave to crack the code when it comes to getting noticed or expanding their brand online. I'm your host, Haley, and I can't wait to chat with you about what I have planned for today's episode. Market Beautifully Podcast. I'm so glad you're listening, so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that we get to hang out today. Now, before I bring on Erica and we talk all about racking up brownie points with the SEO gods, I want to make sure that you're using an email service provider that's actually scaling your business. So if you're not using ConvertKit right now, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about how much ConvertKit has helped grow my business, has helped scale my business because with using ConvertKit, I now have client leads coming in every week for website branding and Pinterest management and Pinterest optimization. I have clients that are coming in on a weekly basis that I don't have to work for that are finding me going to an opt-in and I have a specific way that I've laid out this sequence within ConvertKit to automate sending me leads. How convenient, right? And then I have these people that show up to my doorstep and now it's my job to just bring the best possible product that I can, which my team and I are really great at. So that is tons of fun, but also just the fact of using ConvertKit for launches to make sure that I'm getting as many people into the course that actually fits for the course criteria as possible because I want no one to miss out on the business impact that you can have with my course. So I'm using email marketing to do that. There is so much that goes on with ConvertKit that can just absolutely change your business and allow you to scale. So I would love to see you using ConvertKit. If you're not already using ConvertKit, I would love for you to sign up with a 30-day free trial link at marketbeautifully.com slash ConvertKit. It will also be in the show notes at marketbeautifully.com slash podcast. So if you go there or go to marketbeautifully.com slash ConvertKit, you will be able to sign up and get 30 days free for ConvertKit. I'm so excited for you to try it out. And if you do end up signing up, shoot me an email at chat at marketbeautifully.com and I have a free present just for you. Now let's go chat with Erica because I know that's why you're here. Let me tell you, she has some amazing advice about optimizing our content so that the SEO gods give us traffic. And with that traffic, we're going to market to them, we're gonna make sales, and we're gonna get a love on a lot more people. Erica, it's so good to talk to you again and I'm so glad you're here on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Okay. So we haven't talked in a bit. So catch me up about what's been happening over the past few months and then tell everyone what's up with you and your business. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think when you were on my podcast, it was under the old name, which was Online Empire Building. And yeah. I kind of did some, and I knew this from the beginning when I first launched the business that it probably wasn't as niche as I had wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I knew that kind of as I continue down the, you know, the rabbit hole of entrepreneurship that it would kind of come to light anyways, a little bit more um, hyper-focused. So uh, what I did actually at the beginning of the summer, June into July, is I I did a rebrand and I'm focusing mostly um, on helping mompreneurs. Mm -hmm. So anybody uh, who has kids, um, starting like mom blogs, a lot of um, Etsy makers, those types of things uh, to start and get their business up and running. I still am focusing mostly on the digital marketing side because it is such a huge component and most people, they just feel very, very overwhelmed by it. So 
um, kind of honing in on that aspect. That's not to say that I don't obviously do other work <laughs> um, with a, my consulting on the side. I can I help multiple businesses uh, right now. I'm doing a contract for a, a coffee catering company. So kind of really got my hands in a bunch of different pots um, from that perspective. So, yeah, the big thing over the summer was the rebrand, which went uh, pretty smooth, actually. Perfect. There was uh, only a couple of hiccups, but we managed to get through it. There always has to be some hiccups. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I am dumbfounded that, um, you know, we're in October already. It's it's kind of crazy. And I'm like, I'm starting to, you know, create content related to like the last push of 2017 and already starting to like map out the the content for the end of the year, focusing on 2018, which um, even in of itself, the, the year 2018 sounds ridiculous. So... (laughs) <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I know. I I just went through and planned my whole next 90 days and wow, I have a lot to do. Very overwhelming, but it's really exciting. Um and I'm ready for 2018. I feel like my the rest of my 2017 is a lot of prep work. Um mm-hmm. for 2018, I'm going to be launching some exciting things. So it's a lot of prep work, a lot of building, creating. I'm pumped about it. Yeah, it's really exciting. So it's good to hear. Yeah. So I'm really excited that you're on because we're talking all about optimizing our content for SEO, which is a yep. topic that I get asked a lot about on Instagram. Um, and man, I, lo- I love SEO. You know, I actually launched a course two years ago on SEO and never really talk about it. It's just an SEO simplified basics course, like just teach mm-hmm. the basics if you've never heard of SEO. Um, but I don't really talk a lot about SEO. So that's why I'm glad you're on because a lot has changed. And Mm -hmm. I'm pumped to talk about all that. And so I feel like the concept of SEO has been a bit different in the entrepreneur space now. I feel like we we should talk about it, like the Mm -hmm. difference of how it's done. So because I have a bachelor's in web design where they talked a lot about SEO now. And, you know, we talked more about the structure and like little SEO tricks, like how to basically trick Google. And Mm -hmm. years later, that's such a dumb SEO strategy because everything changes so quickly. Um, and I feel like what we're talking about today and everything that Erica is going to share is things that are more constant. They're not going to change. So no matter where you're at, no matter when you're listening, I feel like this is going to apply um, in a large way because SEO is pretty standard. We're not going to be talking about those SEO tricks and secrets that are just going to be invalid next year because mm-hmm. uh, SEO, the strategy is always, always changing. So, yeah, yeah excited about that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just to kind of reiterate and, and kind of preface what you said when it comes to the different techniques. So, um, you know, there might have been people out there that have heard kind of like the white hat versus black hat. Um, that was a term that was used a lot like 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that normally, you know, just references the fact that the white hat being the good, um, you know, the the tactics that you're using to really build up your SEO um, and more organically slowly over time. And that's what Google prefers when we're talking about SEO. Um, And then you have the more black hat techniques. And those are going to be those, um, you know, those tips or tricks or services that people offer that almost seem too good to be true, like buying backlinks or kind of hiding text, Mm -hmm. which in a a lot Mm -hmm. of the stuff, to be honest, is kind of irrelevant these days because Google, um, you know, they catch up and they know that people are doing this and then they change their algorithms in order to um, either discount those rankings yep. or in the worst case, penalize you. So you would have had sites, you know, 10, 15 years ago that would have been top ranking, um, but their SEO techniques were were not proper, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and then they got penalized and then they're bumped down, you know, 100, 200, even, you know, 500 or Google blocked them completely. And exactly. that's what we want to avoid. So, yeah. I totally agreed. Now, before we jump into optimizing 
our content for the SEO gods. I want to mm-hmm. say something real quick. If you don't have Google Analytics on your website, mm-hmm. why the heck not? You need to have Google Analytics <laughs> on your website first because you're able to see where your traffic's coming from. This is so, so important. So right now, look at your website. Make sure you have it there. Now, now that you have Google Analytics on your website, we can continue on. <laughs> you are caught up. <laughs> You're able to tell how much of your traffic is coming from organic search results on Google through this uh-huh. uh, awesome free resource that Google has. And it's, it's so super easy to set up. So with that, it's, it's just such a great free resource to use and have those stats that you can track and know. I know that about 54% of my traffic comes from Google. So because uh-huh. I know that, I make sure that every week I have someone on my team, well, the same person on my team, goes through all the content I pushed out that week and optimizes it in a specific way that I have set out, right? Because I know that's a big source of traffic for me. And I've racked up quite a few brownie points with the little SEO dudes that run around on your website uh, uh-huh. with, with the blog on marketbeautifully.com. And I'm definitely seeing all the benefits of SEO. I feel like SEO... Um, a lot of people think it's more of an outdated technique, but it's just something that if you take five minutes to do this, which Erica is going to walk us through everything we need to do. So if we really take just five minutes per every piece of content, I feel like it does not take long. You can just get some massive benefits from it. Because imagine if you had 54% of your traffic coming from Google. That I, you don't even have to work on. Like, you don't actually have to go on Instagram and post about it. You don't have to go on Facebook. This is literally evergreen traffic. Um, how would that change your business? So I want you to think about that before we dive in to mm-hmm. everything that Eric is going to talk about. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, you know, you're talking about your, your stats for your website and stuff. And I think mine is, uh, last I checked over the summer, it was about 32% was Perfect. coming from organic. That's so, good. Um, and, and you know, like exactly. I mean, you hit the nail on the head and I think it comes down to one, knowing what to do. I think that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second step, just getting used to doing it on a continual basis. Right. Exactly. Um, a lot of time people feel very overwhelmed by making SEO adjustments because they're typically going back, um, in the history of their website and optimizing, you know, 10 to a hundred different pages. And that's very overwhelming. Um, but even for the listeners out there, even if you start from this point onwards and every piece of content you create moving forward, you start implementing techniques and maybe even only start with three or four and um, go from there and build up and what mm-hmm. you feel most comfortable with. Right. So, um, and the thing with SEO too, is that we're going to be talking about content. Um, typically when you do some research online with SEO, it really does encompass a lot of different topics. So it can talk about um, the more, how your website is coded mm-hmm. and speed and things like that. Um, so today on the podcast, I mean, we're really going to be honing in on the content piece. So again, don't be overwhelmed if you start kind of opening that rabbit hole or Pandora's box of, um, SEO (laughs) topics and you realize, oh wait, well, they didn't talk about everything. Um, we didn't want, we don't want to overwhelm and also we want to keep it to a reasonable length. The podcast is not going to be six hours. So, (laughs) well, you know, we can have a three hour podcast on this. I feel like we could talk about it for a while. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But do not discount optimizing your content. It's so, so, so very important. You're missing out on evergreen traffic. And I hate knowing that you, a listener of the show, is missing out on anything, especially when it involves more eyes on your content. So, Erica, let's start from the top. Let's okay. let's go from the top. Let's start with the title, the title of our content. Okay. Um, so typically when I'm talking to uh, my clients or, you know, putting this information out there to, you know, the mompreneur community and things mm-hmm. like that, 
Um, and you can weigh in on this, Haley, if you actually do this yourself, because I find a lot of people don't. But um, when it comes to determining your title for, let's say, a blog post, mm -hmm. we'll use that as an example. Um, a lot of people kind of come up with their topic, they write their blog post, and then they optimize later. But mm -hmm. I, what I try and encourage people to do is take it back one step a little bit earlier and start thinking about the topic that you're going to write and is it relevant and is it going to be searched by your audience? Yeah. And, and what that can do is you might have a particular topic. Um, I don't know for the bombing bloggers out there, like maybe it's making Halloween costumes, right? Um, and you have a particular blog post in mind, but then through your searching of kind of what's out there, what are popular topics, what's been written about in the past, you realize maybe I need to switch the topic slightly and write from a different angle. And that's going to save a lot of time in the long run because you're not having mm -hmm. to rewrite content. Um, you know, you're not having to put a title that really isn't as relevant to the content that you've written as it could have been. Um, so really kind of figuring out at the beginning what you're going to write about. Um, and then when it comes to the keyword research to figure out what words you're supposed to be using in the title, that can kind of come through in your initial research. So um, maybe you find that really a popular costume these days is, I don't know, Paw Patrol. I don't know if you watch <laughs> Paw Patrol, my kids are like obsessed with it. So, you know, if Paw Patrol is a popular character, well, then maybe you want to write your blog post about creating Paw Patrol Halloween costumes. And right there, you're already guaranteed to be capitalizing on traffic that is looking for that. Mm, so player. you're saying narrow it down. So taking that big, broad topic that you're originally thinking and thinking in your audience's shoes and then narrowing down that. And that's exactly what we talk about um, in another episode here with the long tail keywords. Mm -hmm. yep. the, yeah. And so that's perfect. Love that. Yeah. And what you'll end up finding, too, because um, people who are reasonably new to um, digital marketing or creating their own content, mm -hmm. um, you know, reasonably new entrepreneurs, what ends up happening is, is that they have these really broad topics um, or highly competitive topics. And what they're doing then is they're creating um, a piece of content, again, let's say a blog post, um, and then you have your audience searching for it but they're competing against the really big guns in their space, whatever that may be. And then it's really hard to stand out. So what I'm sure came out of the, the long tail um, keyword research topic that you had on your podcast before is that the more honed in you can be, the yeah. more likely you are to get visitors on a particular topic. Exactly. You might not get the breadth. You might not get a hundred people looking at your blog post, but you might get five, but they're going to be hyper tailored and they're going to be that, right. that blog post is exactly what they're looking for. And I think when it comes to choosing the title of your blog post, you need to make sure that the, the keywords that you're choosing to put in your blog post then resonate with the audience for what they're searching for. And then ultimately what is the content in the blog post? It all goes back to competition. It's like, do you want to be a little fish in a super big sea around like all these other mm -hmm. fish? Do you want to be a big fish in a little sea in a little pond? And, you know, if you, if you really think about, okay, if I'm just writing a thing about how to make a Halloween costume, think about how many other people have written something very similar and yep. you're competing against, let's say, a thousand other people on Google, right? Mm -hmm. But if you write how to make a pop of paw control right is that what it is i don't have paw kids patrol, so. yeah. <laughs> paw patrol paw patrol halloween costume then you may be competing against five other people and then exactly. of course you're better than them so you're going to shine brighter and you're just going to get all that traffic it's going to be great yep and um and the Perfect. other point the other point too with the titles um you know, you see a lot of it. People keep on kind of referencing it as like this kind of clickbait idea. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want you to go too wild and crazy with putting these like, wow, you know, the most 
click on the link to check out the most amazing costume, whatever. Um, but do use some sort of excitement or urgency. You know, if we're talking about the Halloween costume, maybe make a Halloween costume in 30 minutes or five easy, easy steps to make the Halloween costume, something that then kind of invokes a sense of excitement or um, that they're getting something out of it that maybe is different than other blog posts that you're competing against. So less that's less on the SEO side, more on the just, you know, the user's experience Yeah. from that perspective. So. so is there any other title tips that you have related to SEO? Uh, you definitely have to watch length. Um, I can't remember what the stats are because I actually just normally type it into Yoast and it tells me if it's too long. Um, I think it's like 70 characters um, now. Cause, so if you're envisioning the way your blog post would show up on Google, for example, your title tag is what appears in blue, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> on Google. I, yeah, I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's what you see in blue. So if it's too long, obviously, um, Google's going to cut it off. So you're not going to see the whole thing and you're going to lose the value of that. Um, and that's also something to consider when it comes to the description of your post as well. So that's going to be the smaller black text that's underneath your title. And you want to keep that, I think it's up to like 160 characters or give or take. Mm -hmm. So, and if you're on WordPress, like I mentioned, um, definitely get uh, an SEO plugin. I use Yoast and it's probably one of the most popular ones. Yeah, and yeah, so when you type the things into the back end of your post, it'll say, you know, it's too long and it'll give you um, a little preview of what it's going to look like as well. So. Yeah. Okay, now images. Everyone overlooks images. Now I say yeah. everyone, I'm totally generalizing, but I feel like <laughs> a lot of people do overlook image SEO. Yeah, and um, the thing what I find, and I am totally, I have succumbed to this myself, what I find a lot of people don't do is they don't rename their image files and yep. they don't make, and they don't resize them. So they'll get an image, you know, like maybe download it from a royalty free site, whatever, maybe you take it yourself, you upload it at like a giant size. Um, and then it has the original name, which is like, you know, 27 characters that don't make sense. Um, you don't want to do that. <laughs> so first off, even before you put the web image on your website, you want to make sure that you rename it to something that's actually applicable to what the image is or what your blog post is about. So um, if it was the Paw Patrol thing, it would be paw-patrol-costume.jpg. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Um, you're going to want to make it as close to the size that it's going to appear on the website as possible. Um, you don't want to be uploading something that's, you know, 4,000 pixels by 4,000 pixels when really on the screen is going to be 600 by 600. Uh, the reason being is because it takes a long time to load. And I kind of touched upon this at the beginning of the, the interview, but... Um, Google really does favor websites that are fast to load yep. and the longer it takes for things to get up on your screen, whether or not that's, you know, images or JavaScript or anything like that, mm -hmm. um, is going to impede. And not only that, but people don't have the patience anymore. It's not like it's 1996 where we're sitting for 30 seconds for things to load. Um, you know, if people don't have what's up on their screen in probably about three to four seconds, like they're out. So you need to make sure that things are moving quickly and, that's with the size, but it also depends on your hosting and a bunch of different factors, which I don't want to get into too much on the, um, this topic, but, um, so we've changed the title of the image. You want to make sure that it's an appropriate size. When you upload it, um, you should have the option when you, if you're using a CMS like WordPress or Squarespace, mm -hmm. um, to add an alt tag. And what an alt tag is, is basically, um, when Google goes through a website, they don't see the picture like we would see it. They look for text and for various cues. So they're going to look at the title of the image and then this what's called alternative uh, text that's applied with the image. And what I typically recommend is that this is different than the title. 
but hmm. still rele still relevant to the picture. So, so why for example, um, because it just gives an added opportunity mm -hmm. to rank for something um, related to your blog post. Oh, so yeah. in yeah, so the, in the original example there, we had you know Paw Patrol costume as our title, and then maybe your alt tag could be like Paw Patrol Halloween costumes yeah. or something yeah. like that. So you're not talking a huge variance, but you can switch it up a little switch bit. Switch it up a little bit. Cool. Yeah, so um, those are really the big things that I recommend. Um, and then from a, kind of a user experience, which again kind of enhances Google's perception of the site, you want people to stay on your blog post for as long as possible. And having images really is probably the simplest and easiest way to make a blog post a little bit more visually appealing and getting people to stick around a lot longer when they land on a blog post if it's just paragraph after paragraph of text. It can be a little daunting and overwhelming and people are you know less likely to stay so if you can switch it up with you know images videos um audio files really anything gifts you know people love dance and whatever <laughs> um and uh you know getting people to to stay on the blog post as long as possible so cool cool perfect okay i really like those tips now on to header tags there's different mm -hmm. tags within your blog post and I'm sure if you use WordPress, you've seen this to where you can highlight the text and there's like a drop down box and you yep. get your paragraph header six, five, four, three, two, one. Let's talk mm -hmm. about how important those are. Sure. Um, so we're going to, I want to touch upon it again, kind of like what I've done with the other topics, which yeah. is how Google sees it and how users see it. So um, Google sees these tags as basically you've highlighted, as you mentioned, a piece of text and then you've applied a tag. So you don't see the tag. It's a... Um, you know, HTML coding in the back. Right. Um, but each page needs to have an H1 tag and it depends on how your theme is set up. So some themes uh, will have that the title of the blog post automatically as your H1 tag. There are other themes where you have to put it in and manually highlight it and apply an H1 tag. So I can't, you know, for listeners out there, I don't know what theme people are using, um, <laughs> but what, what you want to do is make sure that you actually have an H1 tag um, listed. And for those people who are maybe a little bit more tech savvy, if you go on to a particular page on your website and if you right click, if you're, um, I use Chrome all the Chrome. time, but yeah. yeah, you can do view source and then you can kind of go through and what you're looking for is the, um, you know, the kind of triangle-y type brackets with an H1 written in it. So you want to look for that. Um, aside from that, um, I always recommend having a definitely H2 tags and then depending on the length of content and how you want it broken up, you can get into the H3 and H4. And what those are basically doing is you're telling Google that what's encapsulated within these H tags is of importance. So with the H1 tag, that's going to be kind of like the top most important kind of aspect or keywords that you want to highlight. And then, you know, subsequent um, H tags are going to be of less importance as you go down. So H2 is going to be more important than H3 and so on and so forth. So Google's definitely looking for those. And that's kind of um, giving it flags as to what to rank your content for. Yeah, flags. I like that you said that word, flags. Yeah. yeah. And from a user's perspective, it really is great for denoting section breaks within your blog post. Yep. So if you have a list, you know, each numbered item on your list is going to be, you know, maybe an H2 tag as you go down the page. If you have um, an instruction type blog post where you're, you have different things that people need to do, highlighting um, the different steps in H tags is also key. So it's perfect for people because typically uh, a user is going to skim your blog post. Yep. It's really rare that somebody at first glance is going to be reading from the top to the bottom. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
I was actually commenting to a friend recently that I had like read this like 5,000 word blog post a few weeks ago. And I think it's like the only time in my life that I've oh done it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a long freaking <laughs> <Yeah>. blog post. <laughs> but it was, um, but it was more of a story and it mm. was kind of like, it was almost like a short story is what I read. Yeah, but, yeah. um, but you know, from a, from a user's perspective, what they do is they come onto your page, they quickly glance and they say, okay, is the title of the blog post relevant to what I'm looking for? Okay, great. Typically people will scroll down the page looking for those kind of bolded highlighted titles of the different paragraphs or images or whatever it is they're looking for. And then they decide, yes, this is what I'm looking for. And then we'll continue back to the top and then read it down. Perfect. So you want to make sure you're, you're, um, what you're wanting to get across to your user is highlighted in those tags and, um, the styling within your theme is also going to apply. So for example, typically, you know, an H2 tag is bigger font, maybe a bold or a different color than an H4 tag, things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Cause we have to remember that the Google bots, the SEO bots do not see what we see. Like all of your beautifully scripted words. Uh, that are in those header tags and they're perfect. They don't know that they're actually important words until you put a header tag around them. And like Erica said, it's a flag. So the second you highlight a phrase and make it a header two tag or make it a header three tag, make it anything that's not a P tag, which is a paragraph, which is what yep. it defaults to, Google will not know that's important until you do that. So make sure to hold up the flag around those words that are important and that you want Google to know that's so, 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 so important to remember. And permalinks, that's another thing that scares a lot of people. When it comes to SEO, they're like, what the crap is a freaking permalink? <laughs> I don't even want to know. So let's talk what a permalink is and then how we can craft that. Because I see a lot of people with a lot of blogs that their permalinks are all wrong. Yep. So um, WordPress typically has kind of an out of the box link um, mm -hmm. kind of formula that they use. So what they do is they assign um, like an ID number or page number every time you create a post, I guess it'd be a post number. Um, and this can be you know, like a four or five digit number. So if you don't modify the permalinks in the back end of your website, it'll look something like, you know, your blog.com slash question yeah. mark ID equals one, two, three, four, five. Ugly. <laughs> Uh, let's ugly. say that first off, very ugly. Um, and two, completely irrelevant for SEO. Um, yeah. And three, from a user's perspective, people are not used to seeing that these days. They really do expect to look up in their address bar on their browser and to see something that is relevant and accurate yep. to your post. So um, how do you fix that? It's super simple. In the permalinks menu within WordPress, um, you have different options to select within that. Um, I think there's about five or six these days yeah, and you could have something that's date based. So for example, if you really do um, write a blog that is based on chrono uh, chronological posts or something like that, you can have, you know, 2017 slash 10 slash blog posts title. Um, I prefer just to have, um, so yeah, so the post name. So mm -hmm. typically what I do with more basic sites or with sites that are really blog centric is that it's, you know, your domain.com slash and then your post title name. Yep. I've done it slightly different on my website because I have the blog and the podcast is that I've actually separated them by, um, you know, mamapreneur.co slash podcast, podcast name or slash blog slash podcast name. Yeah. Um, and that is less from an SEO perspective, more from like a tracking perspective. Um, 
when it comes to retargeting in the future or goals that I've set up in Google Analytics that any time that they're a part of that kind of subfolder, that blog or podcast group, there's certain conditions applied as well. That way, yeah. Um, when it comes to the blog post title, so the one thing I do want people to um, give some consideration to is that if your title is really long, you might not want to use the entire title as your blog post, especially if you're going to be sharing it or if you're going to be typing it out or anything like that. Um, you may want to shorten it. And um, if I'm, I don't know if you know this, Haley, but I think in it's a Yoast setting, if I'm not mistaken, where it'll actually take out stop words. So um, it'll remove words like is, it, the, mm -hmm. in, those kinds of things. Right. Um, so it really does um, bring your blog post title um, into a permalink that's much more condensed yeah. um, and visually appealing too, right? Because if you look at your URL bar, it's only so long and ideally you don't want your, your uh, permalink yeah. to ridiculous number of characters. <laughs> so, so like, let's go back to the Paw Patrol example. Cause I really, I mean, I feel like we just need to keep on with this example. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if it was a permalink, the permalink is okay. Let's, if you go to marketbeautifully.com, that's not a permalink. A permalink is whenever you go to a specific blog post. So I've mm -hmm. written an article over as free SEO tools. So it would be marketbeautifully.com slash free dash SEO dash tools. I don't actually know if that's the permalink, but uh, that would be a good permalink to have if it's not a permalink. Yeah, I need to check. Exactly. Um, I, I do think that's the permalink though. So that would be a permalink because it's that specific blog article or article page on your website. Same goes for the Paw Patrol example. If it's mompreneur.com slash paw dash patrol dash costume or dash Halloween dash costume, you know, whichever one it is, make sure that there's no fluff, no weird numbers, no anything that's yeah. not your keywords and a dash. And Erica, I know you stress this a lot, is that dashes are like spaces to Google. So if you just put Paw Patrol Halloween costume all together in one word, Google's going to read that as Paw Patrol Halloween costume. They don't know yeah. that they're spaces. They they are dumb little robots. They're not dumb. They're smart. I'll give them credit. Yeah. But they're not as smart as we are. We are humans. Yeah. They are not. So make sure to have those dashes in your permalink. Don't let it all mush together. Um, that way they know to space out those words. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I did, I did want to just touch upon for the listeners out there that are like, oh, my gosh, I don't have beautiful permalinks. I should go in and switch them. If you have been running your blog and sharing links, if you go and switch the permalink, you need to set up redirections because anything that you've shared, um, you know, let, let's say you've, your blog has those weird numbers and you've been using that permalink, um, you know, well, that's not a great example because I think WordPress auto um, redirects, but let's say your blog post is, you know, you're using the date format and you want to remove the dates and you just want to have your title. If you go in and adjust the permalinks in the back end, the search, um, the robots that have been crawling your site and listing your yeah. blog posts aren't going to know unless you tell them mm -hmm. that you've changed it. So there's two different ways to do it. Um, if you're, you know, not tech savvy and you're more of a novice, there, there's definitely a <laughs> plugin. There's definitely plugins out there. I think the one that I recommend to clients that want to do it themselves is just called Redirection. Um, and you can search for it in the WordPress plugin library. If you're a little bit more tech savvy, the more preferred method would be to actually update your HT access to tell Google um, that you've had this link and it is now directing to this link. So blue velvet URLs. Yeah, sure I've heard of that one as well. Yeah, yep, I've heard about it as well. I've seen great success with that one as well. So okay. yeah, there's, there's a lot of them out there that make it really easy. So 
don't let it scare you off. You need to update your permalinks. You need to get the redirect. And, you know, I'll put that in the show notes as well for yep. uh, tools. So we'll do Blue Velvet, and you talked about redirect. I think that's really important to take action on that as well, though. Now, content link. This is a big thing that a lot of people don't think about when they think about, especially just blogging um, in general. But they write these 400, 500 word blog posts, um, and they don't understand why Google's not thinking that they're quality content. There's a little bit of a problem there. Yeah, so it over time, Google has kind of shifted, and it hasn't been a dramatic shift, but it's I feel like it's been a little bit more slow coming mm-hmm. as far as giving preference to these longer, closer to 1,000, 1,500-word blog posts. And um, I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, it's very simple to pump out low-quality content at a higher rate. So it tends to be the default of a lot of bloggers or a lot of content producers just to say, I want to get three blog posts out, so they're going to be short. They're not going to be, you know, well researched or or whatever the case is. Um, and so, got and so Google doesn't favor those because their goal is to provide the best user experience for the user, and that can be from you know search speed to search quality, um, a variety of different things. But from what we're talking about today, they want the top websites listed on their search rankings to be of the utmost quality and have users engage and use the content. So the long form blog post really does work well for that. And also because with longer form blog posts, if you're getting into like, like I said, the thousand to 1500 word blog posts, people are on there for a longer period of time. And that signals Google to say, yes, people are enjoying this content. It's a marker that they're using to really gauge whether or not the content is valuable. And so the longer the content and the however long it takes people to get through it, the better. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not to say that you should be writing a 1500 word blog post if it really should take you 500 words. OK, I don't want people stretching out and writing convoluted paragraphs. Just tons just, of fluff. Yeah, just to fill space. What I would recommend is that if you had um, like a great example would be um, a topic that maybe prior to listening to this podcast you would have broken into four separate blog posts. Mm. What you could do instead of that is actually put it into one kind of giant pod or giant um, blog post right. that kind of covers one massive topic that's longer. Mm-hmm. And um, if you need to make sure you're using those header tags to denote the breaks, um, maybe you want to provide anchors. So at the beginning of the blog post, you talk about these are the four things I'm talking about. And then you kind of link down within the blog post is another option. Um, but it really does kind of give, Google a bit more meat to work off of when they're um, when they're looking at your blog and the posts and things like that and figuring out how to rank for. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. So and the and the other thing too that I really recommend um, it's actually a topic that I listed for my podcast for probably in November is that um, you know the idea of um, you know having a a few really anchor posts within your within your website yes. that are those go-to kind of evergreen posts um, that are really meaty. And yes, you might have taken a lot of time and a lot of effort put into them, but they are going to be something that you are continually ranking for. Yep. And then you can kind of build your business out of that. So for myself, um, I know I have a couple of ideas listed that I want to really spend you know a week or two crafting that one blog post as an anchor within my site. So good idea. Now, Mm -hmm. what I know that, you know, Google loves whenever we put 
video or audio and put that in our post. Now, whenever you hear me say that, do not sound overwhelmed. If you create a really awesome blog post, that does not mean that for every blog post you have to add a video or audio piece. But mm -hmm. um, this is something to think about. I think it's something to just have in the back of our mind to know. Yeah, and sometimes it's um, it's not even something you have to do right away. So yeah, if you write, point. yeah. So if you write this like really killer blog post, and you you know you check in your Google Analytics and it, it's getting more traction or something mm -hmm. like that, well then that could be you know a red flag to you to say, okay, well maybe I need to take what I've talked about or or dive into something a little bit more in detail. Could I do it with a different type of content or a different medium? So maybe it's hopping on and doing um, you know, a YouTube video or a Facebook Live that you record and, and put in the, the notes of the, the blog post or something like that. Your blog is never static. It's never something that you have to write and then leave it and you're never allowed to touch it again. Um, it's your business, it's your writing, it's, you know, it's, it's what you want it to be. So if you need to go back a month later or six months later and you want to improve it, do it. And, um, you know, you can always add it at a later date. It's never set in stone. Yeah, so. I like that. And last piece of advice about mm -hmm. optimizing whenever it comes to podcasts. Now, I know a lot of my listeners do not have podcasts. They might be thinking about it. I know a lot of my listeners have blogs. They're really into blogging. But mm -hmm. for podcasts, just for those few that do have podcasts, how do transcriptions work? Um, podcasts are really hard to rank on SEO, which yep. is okay because you're really focusing more on iTunes, not your website as much. But still, it's good to have your podcast optimized as much as possible. So what are your recommendations for that? Yeah, I mean, anytime that you produce a piece of content, you should, you know, Put it up on your website as best you can. Yes, um, for you sure. know, you're putting all this effort into, into recording a podcast. Oh, Might yeah. as well get your best bang for your buck, kind of thing. Um, and this, could, this, I want to just preface this. This can also be applied for video as well. So, um, I view transcripts kind of twofold. You can either go whole hog and get everything transcribed. So after this podcast, you know, it'd be like Haley says this, and then Erica says this, and then it's basically our conversation in written format. Um, that's very time consuming. It could be expensive, especially if you use an outsourcing service or if you have a VA or anything like that, it is time um, and ultimately money. The other op um, alternative, and this is what I do for my podcast, is that while I'm going through and editing it, I make like little annotations at different time markers. So, um, you know, maybe at minute three, we talk about this topic. At minute mm. seven and a half, we talk about this topic. Um, and it really just is kind of a pulling out of the different highlight highlighted moments or topics of interest. And that can also help too, if people, for whatever reason, they want a very specific, listen to very specific, say 10 minutes of your podcast. And they know based on the show notes, it's at minute 14 and they can jump to that if they want to. So, um, you know, it really de depends on how much time and effort you want to put in and, and how often you're doing podcast recordings too. Right. There are people who do once a month and there are people who do daily. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that you, you said pull it out and then you can also make those little parts header tags, um, mm -hmm. pulling, rounding it all up uh, in a cute little bow. So, yeah, I yeah. love how that all fits together. Now, exactly. we hear a lot. Well, hopefully you hear this a lot. <laughs> Quality is the new SEO. And I know, mm -hmm. Erica, you've heard this. And this is so important to know, because like I said at the beginning of the episode, I was taught all of these SEO strategies and 
the, all these things that are so outdated now, and it's only three, four years later. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why I'm really glad that we cover just the basics that are really not going to change that you need to be doing. But quality is definitely the new SEO. So what does this yeah. mean? So, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one is that there are things that change frequently with Google. Um, you know, what I've seen is that they do about one massive change to their algorithms every 18 months or so. And then there's smaller ones that are kind of rolled out um, continuously, like every, you know, four to six weeks. That being said, there's still that emphasis on user interaction with your content, providing that stellar content that people are searching for and then Google wants to deliver. Yeah. So by providing high quality content, you are basically handing Google on a silver platter content that is awesome that they can then rank on their search um, results and then give to their clients. Love so it makes that. it makes everybody happy, right? Every people come to your website, you're happy. Google's happy because it's providing content to the masses and then, you know, people are happy because Google provided it to them and it's exactly what they're looking for. So, yeah. um, you know, and content can, and quality of content, I think encapsulates exactly what we've been talking about today, coming up with a topic, which is relevant to your audience that people are going to enjoy, um, you know, optimizing it and making sure that Google knows what you're writing about and then having the content presented in a way that's user-friendly, that's engaging to look at, um, and really does provide um, a positive experience as people are, are spending that sure. two minutes or 20 minutes on your website, so. Yeah, because Google doesn't want to promote crap, so don't put anything yep. out there that's crap. Exactly, there. I feel like that's the bottom line. Done. Yes, <laughs> Done. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what are your favorite SEO tools? That is, I feel like that's a really great place to end, and I would love to get the inside scoop of what Erica is using mm -hmm. for your SEO tools. <laughs> um, so if you're not wanting to spend any money, so if you're looking at zero dollars, um, Moz, so M-O-Z dot com, that they have some really great free tools. Okay. Um, what I use for my website and for my clients, I use Serpstat, which is S-E-R-P-S-T-A-T. Um, there are so there are a good number out there. There's probably like seven or eight tools that are common. If you want the full breadth of information that's available to you, including like competitor research and um, benchmarking and, and um, ranking your SEO efforts over time, you will have to pay for it. Um, there are none that I know of that are free. Um, and it can range anywhere from, you know, $50 a month to 150 or $200 a month. So um, what I would recommend for listeners is that, um, you know, check out the free tools. Start by, um, you know, getting used to optimizing and, and doing the tips and tricks that we talked about. And then um, if that's of interest to you and if you want to continue doing it yourself in-house, then yes, investing in a tool is probably up your alley. If it's not of interest to you and if it's just overwhelming and you want to spend your time doing other things, um, then you might be better off taking the money that you'd spend in a tool and actually having somebody outsource to do it for you, if that's the case. So. Yeah whether or not that's an SEO expert or um, if it's a VA or a combination thereof, you could get an SEO expert to, to spend a couple of weeks kind of tweaking and optimizing your site and then passing off the to-dos to a VA is uh, typically an affordable method for most people and, and stuff like that. Which so. is exactly what I do. Yeah, I have someone on my team that does that for me. Every time I get a new content, they always optimize it. 
um, for SEO and it, it's definitely awesome. But I made sure before I outsourced it that I knew what the crap I was talking mm. about. And I think that's very yep. important is to not just go, Meh. I mean, this stuff is important. This is your freaking business. So I feel like we should invest at least a little bit of time, which I know you are fantastic at because you have made it this far in the podcast without tuning out <laughs> after hearing all of these SEO words. So props yes, exactly. to you. We're cheering <laughs> our pom-poms, waiting for you. You're doing yep. awesome. Um, another one that I wanted to mention that I absolutely love is the mobile-friendly test. And I will also link that in the show notes. Google promotes websites that are mobile-friendly, obviously, because Google doesn't want to promote crap if your website's not mobile-friendly. It's not the best. So we need to make sure that our websites pass the mobile-friendly test for Google. And I, it's super easy. It takes five seconds. So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well, along with SERPstat and Moz.com. We will mm -hmm. have all of that at marketbeautifully.com slash podcast. Find the episode and you will see the links. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, for listeners too, I know that I talked about um, researching keywords and stuff like that, but I have a, a free mini course if people are interested Perfect. in learning how to actually go about that keyword research. Um, and then the course actually also comes with a spreadsheet that you can then basically pop in the keywords that you research and all the magic of spreadsheets tells you which ones are the more profitable ones. Okay, so. and what URL can they go to for that? Uh, it's mamapreneur.com slash key to keyword research. Key. And I'll uh, make sure that's up in your show notes too. Okay, awesome, yeah. Perfect, awesome, writing that down right now, great. Okay, well I'm really excited that you came on, talked to us about getting mm -hmm. a favor with the SEO gods, because that's so important to have favor with the SEO gods. If you're a business owner, you're putting out content, it's, it's awesome to utilize these tools and all of these awesome tips. So thanks so much for coming on, Erica. And no problem. I hope that your users or your listeners weren't uh, too overwhelmed. And like I said, <laughs> baby steps. Baby, baby steps. steps. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks again. So glad we got a chat. Great. Thanks. Thanks.